Last week, I, we had that, the picture of the, the, you know, the dress, the blue and black dress, or the, or the gold and white dress. And I had people after that were like, were you just blowing smoke? Like, people actually see this different than, than I see it. And uh, so I wasn't lying about that. People do see it differently. But listen, um, we thought about, this was Matt's idea, Matt Anderson, okay? We thought about the idea of combining April Fool's Day and Easter and doing an Easter egg hunt for, for the kids. And we get those plastic eggs and hide them. And then, um, but instead of putting like candy and stuff in them, we'd put like nothing in them. And that way, when the kids get them and they open it and they're like, hey, where, where's the candy? Um, we'll be like, well, um, the tomb is empty, just like the egg. So there you go. It was an idea. And uh, I thought, let's not do that. So you can thank me for not, for, for vetoing that one. So, but anyway. Um, but it's Easter. This is our first uh, Easter Sunday as a church, and uh, again, there, we didn't. We did a we did a nine and eleven o'clock service, and I, I, based upon how many people are here, I guess that's a good thing that we did the, the nine o'clock service. It wasn't as many people there, but we don't really know because we're we just started up. It's our first Easter. We don't know know how many people to expect and all that. But it's Easter, and for the Christian, Easter is a very important day. Why is why is Easter important? Because he's risen. It's the resurrection day. Yeah, feedback's okay. You guys, can, you guys can preach back a little bit every once in a while when you're asked a question only, okay? But um, listen, with, without the resurrection, our faith is void and our faith is useless. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 13 says this. Paul says, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Jump down, that's pretty heavy. Jump down to verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep or, or died in Christ are lost. Verse 19. For if only in this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people to be most pitied. Listen, if our faith, if we didn't have the resurrection, with, if our faith was just to get together and do some help, help self-talks and, you know, because there's principles in the Bible, you can apply them, make your life better. You know, if that was why we were here, to just do some help self-talks and have some community, like, that would be good, but that would, we, Paul says we'd be, of all people, to be most pitied in this life, because our faith and our hope would only be in this life and not in eternity. But we have a king who is resurrected, and we have hope in this life, and we have hope in the next life. Amen. So everything for the Christian hinges on this day. Everything hinges on the resurrection. Paul was so convinced, convinced of this that in verse, uh, later on in the chapter, verse 31, verse 32, he says, if there's no resurrection, then, then why are we risking our lives? Because they were risking their lives for this thing. In other words, people won't die for a lie, will they? But, but the, the, the people that were eyewitnesses of Jesus and the resurrection, they were willing to risk their lives to tell the story. They were willing to risk their lives for this gospel. And so um, everything, they wouldn't do that for a lie. Everything hinges on the resurrection. So uh, today, I want to talk about the resurrection um, of Jesus and the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So the gospel, I don't, if you don't know this, the gospel actually means good news. And I just want to say, it's not just good news. This is the best news that you will ever hear. Um, I don't know about you, but I like receiving good news. Anyone like to receive good news? Get a, get a call from the realtor. Hey, uh, they've accepted your offer. You're going to get that house. 
You know, that's good news. Um, or, or you get a call from a place you're applying for a job. They say, hey, of all the candidates, we think you're the best candidate for the job. We'd like to offer you the job, right? Or I'll remember the, the, the day that my wife um, told me that she was pregnant with our, with our first daughter, Trinity. I'm like, man, I'm going to be a father. This is, this is amazing. My life will never be the same. Good news is amazing to get. Um, feels good. But then sometimes there are there's times where there's too good to be true news. You know what I'm talking about? Like, for example, when you get that email from, like, the Nigerian prince. <laughs> hey, today is your lucky day. I've got some good news for you. I got, I got to offload some money, move some money around. All I need is your bank account numbers and all your information, and we'll get this over to you right away. Um, that's too good to be true news, okay? No, no one's going to just offload money for you. So there are times where there's too good to be true news. Um, usually if it sounds too good to be true, it is, but not always. And the gospel is like that. It is the almost too good to be true news. In fact, it's the best news you will ever hear. So today I want to I give you four things that you need to understand this good news. And, but before we do that, before we do the four things... I have to say that um, in order to fully appreciate and understand this good news, you have to understand the bad news. Okay, um, if I had some good news that, we, you know, so let's say, for example, you're out mowing your lawn in the summertime, and we drive by in a car, and we're like, hey, we're here to save you. Get in. Let's get out of here. And you might be like, save from what? I'm just out mowing my lawn. I mind my own business. You wouldn't think, like, I need saved from anything, right? You'd think, like, leave me alone, weirdo. But... Uh, but then if I said, we've done some calculations, there's a meteor heading here, and we've calculations, it's going to land right here in your yard. And at that point, you'd be like, all right, let me get my stuff, we are out of here, right? And so when we, to understand the gospel, the good news of Jesus, we have to understand what the bad news is first. So four things we're going to give you. Number one, this is the condition of humanity. We have all gone astray. We've gone astray. The world has gone astray. Everyone has gone astray and drifted. Um, from the best of us to the worst of us, we've all gone astray. We've all fallen short. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 18, it says this. As it is written, this is the condition of humanity. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have altogether become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. So this is, this is the state, the condition of humanity. We've all gone our own way. We've all gone astray. I remember when I was, when I was um, an example of going astray, when I was in, I think I was in sixth or seventh grade, um, my, my stepdad was a manager at Eldora Ski Resort, and we'd go snowboarding every once in a while. And um, I had a friend that was telling me, hey, on the backside of this mountain, um, there's, there's what's called the Corona Bowl at Eldora. And like, there's some awesome powder. You got to get over there. And the Corona Bowl is not always open at the beginning of the year, but it was open now. And he's like, hey, you got to get over there. And it was kind of getting towards the end of the day. And I thought, I'm going to try to get over there before the lifts close and all that. So I go up the main lift and I start working my way over to the backside of the mountain. And I get to the, to the run that goes to the backside of the mountain. And it's roped off, like the ski patrol roped it off. And I thought, well, I mean, that's for people who don't know what they're doing, right? I know what I'm doing. So, um, now listen, if, there, if you're ever skiing and there's a run roped off and the ski patrol's roped off, there's probably a good reason for that and you should probably heed that. But I decide, you know what? I'm just going to duck under the rope here and I'm going to go down this run that the ski patrol has roped off because I want to get over to this side of the mountain, right? 
And so I start going down this run, and it's feeling pretty good, and there is some good powder over there. And then I start to have, like, I start to worry a little bit. I'm like, I don't, there's no one else over here, like, on the side of the mountain. <laughs> In fact, when it started converging with other runs towards close to the bottom, like, there's still no people over here. There's still, I'm still by myself, and then I get down a little further, and then I have a really horrible realization. The lift line is closed. I'm the only one over here. And if you don't know this, if you look at a map of Eldora, you can't get to the back side of the mountain from, like, there's not a, a road or a shuttle that takes you over there. You have to go up the lift line to get out of there. And so I, I skied all the way down to the bottom, and the lift line's closed. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I, get, I went down a black run, so it was steep. I'm by myself. I'm like a sixth grader, and, I'm th- and it's getting late. Like, it's, the lifts are, on that side was already closed. It was like, you know, 4.30. And I'm like, I think I'm going to have to hike up a black run with my snowboard to get out of here. This is going to take hours. And, uh, but I thought, I'll just, I'll just go all the way to the bottom and see if like, anyone's there at all. And luckily, when I got to the bottom, there was, you know, the snow cats, they're the snow groomers. There was three of them, and they were, they were pulling out, and there was one last one, and they had people loaded on it because the lift line had actually broken. So they were, they were taking people out of there. And I managed to hurry up, got right up to it, and they, they were able to stop and get me on there and, and get me out of there. Otherwise, I would have been hiking for hours to get out of there in the dark, and I'm sure the ski patrol would have been called. But listen... I went my own way. I went astray from from the line that was marked out for me, right? And that's the same thing with humanity. Humanity has ducked the rope, and humanity has gone astray. Humanity has gone their own way. And so so before I give you more good news, or before I get into the good news, I've got to give you some more of the bad news. Um, So number one was we've all gone astray. Number two thing you need to understand to understand the gospel, there can be no redemption found in yourself. You can't dig yourself out of this mess. You can't self-rescue from this mess. That day, if I had missed you know, the snowcats, I, I probably would have been okay. I would have been hiking in the dark with my snowboard. I probably would have gotten out. I probably could have self-rescued. But the condition that humanity is in, you can't self-rescue from this problem. You can't dig yourself out of this problem. And someone might be here thinking like, Pastor Kurt, why is that? I, I'm a pretty good person. I mean, I try hard. I try to... Do, unto the, you know, do to others as they would do to me. And I try to do good things, and I'm a pretty good person. I treat people good. Well, listen, um, I want to help you understand the, the, the condition of, of humanity and our, our desperation and our total being lost. James chapter 2, verse 10, it says this. For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. So, like, if you've broken one law, one of the commandments that God gave, it's as though you have broken all of the commandments. And so if you've lied, it's like the same as if you've worshipped many gods, committed murder, committed adultery, stolen, envied other people. And someone might say, like, well, why, what? why is that? Why is it if I've broken one, I've broken them all? Well, here, here's, here's why. Sin, sin is like, an, it's actually an art, the word in the, in the Bible, it's from a Greek word, it's actually an archery term, and sin just simply means to miss the mark. There's a mark, we're aiming for it, and we've missed it. Okay, so the real question for us becomes, okay, if sin is to miss the mark, what is the mark? What was the target we were supposed to hit? So um, check this out. Go ahead and put Romans uh, 3.23 up. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the What? of the glory of God. The glory of God is perfection. The target is actually perfection. So by that standard, if you've missed one, you've missed them all. If you've 
the whole thing's broken at that point. See, Adam and Eve were created in God's likeness and image to be like their father in heaven. They were created for perfection. They were created to be like their father. They were created to be perfect. So this is why when you stumble in one way, it's as though you've stumbled in every single way possible. Um, a good example of this would be like, suppose you have a boat. How many people here have a boat? Okay, now I know who to talk to when I need a boat. No. Uh, <laughs> suppose you had a boat and I'm like, I borrow your boat. So Pastor Kurt borrows your boat. And then I go out on a lake and I run into a rock, put a big hole in the boat, the boat sinks like to the bottom of the lake. And I think to myself, man, I've got to make this right. I've got to make restitution. I sunk my friend's boat. What am I going to do? And so I go out to where it's sunk and I, I swim down to the bottom where the boat's sitting and I notice there's some dirt on the windshield of that boat. And I think, I know what I'll do. I'll clean this windshield off and I'll, I'll just kind of make this nicer and provide some, uh, some uh, restitution here, right? So that's, now, would that be a satisfying thing for me to come to you and say, like, I sunk your boat, but listen, I uh, kind of cleaned off the windshield, it's still the bottom of the lake, but um, would that be an acceptable, would that be an acceptable offer to you? Probably not. Because listen, this is, this is why you, you would still think I'm crazy. I didn't return the boat to its created value. I didn't return the boat to its created purpose. And so when you're just trying to, like, clean yourself up and do a little bit better, you're not, you're not returning to, like, your purpose which was perfection, right? God created you to be perfect like he is. And so you're still dead in the water. Your sins are still um, covering you. Isaiah 64, 6 says this. We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, like autumn leaves we all wither and fail. Our sins sweep us away. Our sins sweep us away like the wind. So our, our best attempt to create redemption falls drastically short of what is actually necessary. Uh, another example of this would be like, did you know that the, the national debt is 21 trillion right now? That's a pretty big, yeah, 21 trillion, which is really sad. But it would be like this. You're like, you know what, I wanna help the national debt. I wanna help the national debt. And you know, I've got $3 in my pocket, and you can pull it out, and you're like, here, put this towards the national debt. I wanna do something about it. Okay. Not only would you have not, you would not have reduced the debt by much, obviously, but actually the truth is you wouldn't have even slowed it down much because the debt is actually growing more than $3 a second. Like that's what it's like when we do our, our best deeds, our best efforts to become good enough for God, we still fall drastically, drastically short. I'll give you one more example and we'll move on. Um, suppose, suppose the goal was to it was like jumping over the Grand Canyon. On this side is sin, on that side is holiness and connection with God. And we get up to the Grand Canyon, and we're like, if you just jump over it, you're good, right? And um, listen, some of us would be able to jump three feet, some of us would be able to jump five feet, 10, maybe, you know, Michael Jordan in his prime, maybe 20 plus feet, I don't know. Um, the world record holder, actually, Michael Powell, he jumped uh, 29 feet, four and one quarter inches. That's far. But check this out. The, let's just compare this to the Grand Canyon now. The Grand Canyon at its narrowest point, it's usually like miles wide, at its narrowest point is 600 feet. So let's do a little math. 600 minus 29 feet and one, four and one quarter inches. He, he would still have fallen 570 feet, 
570.65 feet short, okay? So it wouldn't really matter. And that, isn't that what it's like? I think we think the standard is like, oh, I'm more holy than you and more holy than you, or mm, those people are more holy than me, but I'm still, got, I'm still ahead of some people. And we're measuring ourselves, we're kind of measuring ourselves by ourselves. We're measuring ourselves to the other guy and kind of thinking, if I just land somewhere in the middle, I'm not the worst of the worst, I'm not the best of the best, but we'll see how far I can go. That's what that's like. And yeah, some of us are, you know, maybe could get a little further than others, holiness-wise, right? Some of us are a little more holy in ourselves than other people. And, and you know, my wife's more holy than me, and Matt and Joy are more holy than me, so they get a little further than I am. <laughs> but listen, the holiest person in the world still falls drastically short of the standard that God has for us. And so that's, because I've given you lots of bad news so far. Bad news, you've all gone astray. We can't redeem ourselves. But here's some really, really, really amazing news. God loves you profusely. God loves you more than you can possibly fathom. And because of that, God wasn't content to leave you and me and the world in this state of being totally lost and helpless. This is why Father God sent Jesus to this earth. And so point number three is God provided a way. It's the third thing you have to understand to understand the gospel. God provided a way. Jesus came into the world to pay the penalty for your sin, for my sin, for the sins of Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, Michael Jordan, and the other guy that jumped really far, and Emily, and Matt and Joy. So Jesus came to pay the penalty for sin. He provided a way for us to be restored to the Father. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, it says this. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. Verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So while we were still enemies with him, he died for us. He said, I, I come in peace, I come to make reconciliation, and he bridged the gap for us. While we were sinners and enemies of him, he did this for us. It's amazing. Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus was without sin himself, so he was able to pay the penalty for you. right? If Jesus, had a, if Jesus had his own guilt and his own sin that he needed to pay for, he wouldn't have been able to pay for any of us. But he was the pure spotless lamb of God. He was able to pay for the sins of the world. Let me just read a scripture on this real quick. Uh, Hebrews 4.15, it's talking about Jesus. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. How many feel that's good news right there? He's able to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we were, yet he did not sin. So the Son of God became a man to enable men to become the sons of God. Or the Son of God became a man to enable men and women to become sons and daughters of God. And that's good news right there. So, um, so number three was God provided a way. Number four, and last one, is salvation, being restored to God, must be received as a gift. All right? Salvation is the gift that you can never earn or never deserve. Ephesians 2.8 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Amen? It's a gift from God. You can't, you can't even take credit for the fact that you believed in him. Even the faith to believe him was given to you. Amen? You can't earn or deserve this gift. But, I will say this, but you still have to receive this gift. You still have to reach out and say, yeah, I want that gift. It's like this. If, if, uh, it's like a, there's a check written to you, and it has your name and the who, you know, for, who amount, you know, to who it's for. And then the amount, all of your sins, Right? 
Now, if, if someone were to give you a check like that, this is paying for all your sins, you still have to reach out and say, yes, I want that. You still have to surrender. You still have to surrender your life to Jesus. You have to give your life to him. And that's not a work of the flesh. That's just surrendering to what he already did for you. You come just as you are and you receive that. And so number, again, number four is you have to receive it as a gift. So we've all gone astray. There's no redemption in yourself. God provided a way and it has to be received as a gift. You just have to surrender to it and receive it. Amen? Amen. So to kind of wrap up here, we know that Jesus went to the cross for the sins of the world. We know that he died. We know that Jesus was buried for us. But listen, that wasn't the last thing that needed to happen, okay? For Easter, for many, Easter's the day that they celebrate the resurrection. It proves that Jesus is the Messiah. It proves that he was the son of God. That's all fine, amazing, and necessary. But what I want to say is that I want to throw you a hypothetical. Suppose that Jesus went to the cross. All of the sin of humanity was placed upon him to pay the penalty for it. All of the sin of humanity was placed on him to pay for it. But there was one of your sins, just one of your sins, was like God looks at that and goes, I want to forgive all of that sin, but there's that one thing. I just, I just can't overlook that one thing. I just can't overlook that one sin. Listen, if that was the case, if, 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 if the sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice, took all the sin in the world, but there was one of your sins that was too much for God to forgive, Jesus would have not, hear this, Jesus would have not been raised from the dead. Because he still, the guilt would have been greater than what the blood was providing. You understand that? And he did take the weight of the world, the sin of the world. So one sin would have bottlenecked the whole thing. One sin would have stopped Jesus from grace, and none of us, none of us would stand justified. If one of your sins stopped it from happening, I wouldn't stand justified. If one of my sins stopped it from happening, you wouldn't stand here justified. That's crazy. And so listen, next time the, the enemy of your soul, the devil, comes and the accuser, the brother, reminds you of that one thing that you did in your past or that one thing that you still struggle with that you're trying to get through. If that was the case, or next time he reminds you of that, remind him Jesus rose from the dead. 500 people witnessed that the apostles all died for it because people won't die for a lie, will they? And he rose from the dead. That declares that I'm justified. That declares that I'm holy. That declares that I'm righteous. Amen? That's a good word right there. So, so check this out. Romans 4.25, it says this. He was delivered over to death for our sins, but check this out. And he was raised to life for our justification. When he was raised, it, it declares we're justified. You're acquitted. You're innocent. That's what his resurrection says. It isn't just, when we say he is risen, it's like, yeah, he's risen. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God, which is all awesome and true. It also declares I'm risen, I'm innocent, I'm declared righteous in God's sight because of what he did. And that's really good news if you receive that gift. Amen? Amen. So the resurrection says God accepted the sacrifice and we all stand justified. He actually said, he looked at it, God looked at it and said, the blood that Jesus shed, the righteous blood that he shed, that's enough. He said, that's enough for me because we're righteous in God's sight, right? We're holy and righteous in God's sight because of the blood of Jesus. So that's basically the end of my message. But next, next week, um, I'm going to start a new series on identity. I don't know what we're going to call it yet. <clears throat> and our identity in Christ. And in the first message, I actually want to talk about how the blood of Jesus 
was not just enough for your sins. It was actually more than enough for your sins. Um, and that has all kinds. It didn't just it just it, it didn't just write you with God. It actually made you right and then some. I'll give you one example, and then we'll, we'll close here. Suppose you you were driving through a school zone. You're going 100 miles an hour through a school zone. Okay, that's a good reason to get a ticket right there. But let's just say you went 100 miles an hour through a school zone, and the and the police officer pulls you over and he says, "You know what? I'm going to let you off this time." Okay, that how many know that would be mercy, right? I'd be like, ooh, he had mercy on me. But listen, if you go 100 miles an hour through a school zone and the officer pulls you over and says, not only am I, I going to let you off, here's a million dollars. Okay, the first one is mercy. The second one, that's grace. That's what the grace of God in our life is like. And it is true that what Jesus did restores us, restores humanity to our created value. It is true that that, that happens. But I want to show you in scriptures next week that actually what he did makes us better than what creation's original purpose was. We're actually better off through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus than had sin never happened in the first place. So we're going to go there next week. Hopefully that baits you pretty good to come back. You're going to come back? Okay, good. All right.